Good morning. What, what a joy it is to once again be in the house of the Lord uh, and to be alive and uh, to appreciate uh, being able to come together as one body in Christ. And to that we say, Lord, thank you. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we do bless your name. Thank you for the gift of a new day. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you are about to do in our midst. Father, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins that we have committed by word, by thought, or deed. We stepped outside of your will. But we're so gracious that you told us that as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our sins and our transgressions. Lord, I pray that uh, as I preach that words would be given me, that I might be able to make known your gospel. For it is in Jesus Christ's name we do pray and give thanks. And the people of God said, Amen. This morning, I want to invite you to look at with me uh, the Old Testament minor prophet by the name of Habakkuk. I'll give you a moment to find him. He's not one that we travel with often. <laughs> but his story is really, really amazing. Um, I'm learning as you, the older I get and the more I look at Scripture, it's amazing how you begin to see yourself in some of the Word. Uh, and I want to preach from the sermonic theme, the journey from problem to praise. I'm going to be moving around over these three chapters, but I want to lift some of these three chapters for you this morning. I'll begin in chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. This is what it says. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And will you not hear? Even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 4. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me 
and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on high hills. So ends the reading of God's word. The journey from problem to praise. Best-selling author, novelist, and masterful storyteller, Stephen James tells young fiction writers that you don't have a story until something goes wrong. Most of us have lived long enough to agree with that statement. And it's something about when things go wrong that we search and seek out God. It's when things go wrong that we search the scriptures. It's when things go wrong that we strive to get a little closer to him. And it seems our Christian faith works best when things go wrong. It's when things go wrong that we press into God the more. Have you ever noticed that? When everything is going fine and your world seems to be functioning well, he's more of an afterthought. Oh, but let some storm clouds roll in. And then you begin to search the scriptures to see what the Lord says. That's where Habakkuk was. He was having a problem. Things were not going well for him. And he makes it known that this emotional dilemma that he faced was getting the best of him. He was feeling angry, frustrated, disappointed, and he wanted to direct his, yeah, to God. He was a little upset with the master because of God's inaction and because his beloved countrymen, who had been repeatedly warned to get their act together, so to speak, were ignoring it. They were loving the sin that they were in. And this broke his heart. This caused him a great deal of pain and grief. He saw a dying world before him, and it bothered him. Have you ever been where Habakkuk is? Have you watched some of the things going on around you? and your heart is grieved and broken because of what you see? 
Or, or is your world so exclusive and tunnel vision that you don't see anything around you? It's just me and mine. Habakkuk convicted me. And he ought to convict you as well. That there ought to be a godly sorrow as we look at what is going on around us. How unfortunate it is that those of us who are members of the body of Christ, who claim the name of the Lord, have become so self-centered. And as I look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, he was always other-centered. Habakkuk saw, and he was wounded. But what I love about him is that he did not stay there. He was on a journey from problem to praise. He, he was moving from worry into worship, from terror into trust. And I don't know, I, I was intrigued by him because I believe we can learn a few holy hints from him as we too find ourselves facing some problems from time to time. When dilemmas come our way, can we glean something from this Minor prophet with a major message? Okay, um, his name Habakkuk means to cling, to wrestle, embrace. And I believe that there's some Habakkuk in us because there are times when we too wrestle with God. Yet we embrace him and then we cling to him. That's Habakkuk's story, but it's also our story. Help me, Nicks, understand. Help me get a clearer picture of what you're talking about. Well, well, if we're going to journey from problem to praise, one thing Habakkuk teaches us is to tell God how you really feel he can handle it. You're looking at me like you don't believe me. Uh, it, it, it's right there in the book. Oh, Lord, how long should I cry? And you will not hear. This brother been praying for a while. He's at the how long must I keep coming to you and I don't see you move on my behalf. You see my countrymen. You see what they're doing. Why haven't not you done anything? Listen, when you have a genuine relationship with someone, you can talk a little tough and it's okay. I see y'all don't, okay, me troll over here. Um, you, you, you can be a little tough and I'm not saying being rude, nasty, or mean. He was not uh, being that. This was not a, uh, someone who was grumbling, but this was someone who was giving a heartfelt emotion about how he was feeling and what some of his expectations were. Lord, 
How come you aren't moving? Why do you show me iniquity? That's bent, twisted, crooked, and perverted ways. Why do you show me that? For plunder and violence, strife and contention, I'm witnessing all of this and I'm coming to you and yet you're silent. Listen. He teaches and reminds us that God can handle our tough questions. Okay. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God did not strike his son down. He didn't say, whoa, 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 who, who are you talking to? God can handle our tough questions. Maybe you came from a, 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 a spiritual experience that said you don't question God. Have you ever heard that before? The child, you, you better not question God. Lord, you're in dangerous territory now. No, he can handle your tough question. Jacob, Jeremiah, Job, they all wrestled with God. And he doesn't mind us wrestling with him over life's tough questions. Let me ask you this then. Who do you go to? Where do you turn when you have your tough questions? Who, who, who are you running to? Who are you seeking? What what are you pressing into? I will submit to you that the best person to press into with your tough questions is the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor in the heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Bring all of your tough questions to him. He says, come boldly, come confidently unto the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Come to him. Let him know what you're facing. Let him know what you are struggling with. And then we see here that God breaks his silence. In verse 5, look among the nations, watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. The Lord has responded to Jeremiah, I mean to, to Habakkuk, and now he's letting him know that he's going to have the Chaldeans punish his people for their disobedience. They were now going to be judged because of what they had done. He was going to use the, a group that was worse than Habakkuk's folks to correct. He was going to use another nation to correct another nation. And this made Habakkuk even more confused. He said, wait a minute, they're worse than we are. Why would you use them against us? Habakkuk is trying to figure this out. 
And look what he does. He goes back to God. Number two, position yourself to hear from God. He said, well, I'll stand my watch and I will set myself on a rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. He's going back to God, trying to get some clarification on why God is doing what he's doing, because this made no sense to him. But I like the fact that he went back to God again. And sometimes, beloved, we need to go back to him again when we do not understand why God is moving the way that he is moving. He went to the rampart. That was a, a tower that, they, that had been built on the wall of the city so that they would, the watchmen would be able to look out and see if anyone was coming and also to watch over the crops. That's what, that's what they were doing. So, so he said, I'm going to go to a high place so that I can lean in and listen and watch and see what God wants to say to me. Here's my point. Every now and then, if we want to hear from him, it's a good thing to pull away and get someplace where you can be alone with him so that you can hear what he may have to say to you. The problem is that sometimes we get so busy that we don't slow down long enough to lean in and listen and hear what God is trying to say. He was now searching for answers. And he said, I need to pull away. And I need to get someplace quiet so I can lean in and listen and see what God has to say. Sometimes it would be wonderful if we could learn to practice the art of solitude and silence. Solitude and silence. Learning to position myself so that I can hear his voice. Well, how do you hear his voice? Well, one way I hear his voice is through his word. Getting alone with the Word of God allows me to hear what He wants to tell me. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will burden you in such a way that you're saying, it, it, it's got to be the Lord. I mean, it's lining up with Scripture. It must be Him trying to tell me something. Sometimes it may be overhearing the preached Word, listening to the Gospel as it is proclaimed. The Lord has a way of talking to you. Maybe it's through your Bible study or small group that He lets you know where he wants you to, what he wants you to do in your situation. But I've got to make myself available and slow down and lean in and listen to what he's trying to say. Position ourselves to hear what the Lord has to say. And what I like is, it says in Chapter 2, verse 2, then the Lord, watch this, answered me and said. You see that the Lord responded to his plea. The Lord responded to his cry. Isn't it wonderful to know that God wants to communicate with us? That we don't have to guess, wonder, no, no. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to make the message clear to you. Not through your pastor, not, no, no, not through your brother, not through, and he can use them, that's fine, but he wants to communicate 
with you. Isn't that amazing? The, the creator God wants to communicate with you. Pause as long enough to lean in and reveals his will for your life. He wants you to know. And look at what he says in verse 4. He says, but the proud, he talks about two types of people. He says, but the proud, his soul, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. But the just shall live by faith. He's saying there are two types of people. They're the proud. They're the folks who dismiss God, who don't have time for him, who are self-willed. They're the ones who know what's best for themselves. They don't consult him. They don't pray to him. They're not interested in him. That is the proud group. He said that, that, that's one group. But then he also talks about the just, the righteous, those who live by faith, those who place their trust and confidence in him, those who believe the word of God, those who aim to live a life that lines up with the word of God. It's, it's faith, taking God at his word. And you know, in, in this particular passage, that word faith means steadiness, firmness, steadfast. And the reason he was saying it is because these believers were about to be judged. They were about to feel the heavy hand of God's discipline. And they were going to need steadiness, and they were going to need determination, so that they might continue to follow him and trust him, trust his word. But they were about to go through some difficult times. And he's saying, you are going to have to live by faith. And I don't know about you, faith, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's about faith. Um, living by faith is seeking God first, not my career, not my home, not my car, not my bank account, but seeking God first. And I know that's tough in this world in which we live in. It's saying everything else is telling you to seek it first. But I want to seek him first. Didn't it say seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And all these things shall be added unto you. That is a promise that he makes us. How do you live by faith? Well, trusting God. Yeah, it's not complicated. It's trusting him when things are good, when things are bad, I'm, I'm trusting him. Living by faith is, is, is practicing obedience. Living by faith is aiming to be Christ-like. Aiming by Living by faith is, is believing the word of God as it is written. Um, I love it because he puts the hay where all of us can reach it. It's not something that you and I cannot do. 
But with the aid and comfort of the Holy Spirit, you and I can live by faith in such a way that he is pleased, that he is exalted. People say, well, how did, baby, how you pull that off? Listen, I wish I could take credit for it. But it ain't nobody but Jesus and the Holy Spirit in me. Because, see, if you'd have caught me a few years ago, I would have had something to say for you. But you, you, you caught me at a good season in my life. Uh, it, it's the Lord that did it. I, I wish I could take credit. But, but that, the faith piece is so, so important. And, and then, then he gets over to the third chapter where he begins to... That was, that was the, the, the pivotal point. I don't want to run by that too fast because... Because as you and I face things, beloved, we're going to have to always remind ourselves the just shall live by faith. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I'm experiencing. It is living by faith, trusting God, and making the devil mad. Making him mad. Simply because we're deciding to walk by faith. And then, and then as, as I hasten to a close, he, he then moves on to that third chapter where he is now in a whole different place. Remember, he was focusing on his problem. Why not? Lord, where are you? How come you haven't showed up? He was going on and on. And now he's pivoting. Now he's like, wait a minute. The just shall live by faith. Wait a minute now. I, I, I see what's happening, but but the covers have been removed. And, and now I'm going to begin to walk in faith. I'm going to begin to behave like God's word is true and that he can be trusted. And now we see a different kind of man. He's now has different insight that he didn't have before. He's now shifted his focus. He's pivoted. Now he's looking at God and the character of God. So, so now he writes this a prayer that is really turns into a song which means that he was going to use this, I guess, to keep reminding himself or sing to himself or use others to sing and listen to it. But he's now singing a song. Verse 17, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the, of the oil may fail, and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls. Then he says, yet, you're not getting this, are you? I'm sorry. I, I, I. He's saying, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. D didn't you hear how he was talking in chapter one? A and now, he's making much of God. Yet, I will rejoice in the God of my Salvation. Beloved, that message is for you and I today. Because what he talked about, all of those things, no, no grapes on the vine, I mean, no food. Listen, he didn't know where his next meal was coming from. Things were not looking good. But yet he said, I will rejoice in the Lord. That ought to be our song as well. When life turns our world upside down, and things are not making sense, and you're crying out to God, and he's moving slow, and then all of a sudden the light bulb goes off. The just shall live by faith. And now you begin to remember who God is 
and what God can do in your situation and your life. You begin to understand that there's nothing too hard for God. You begin to understand that all things work together for good. To them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. You're getting your mind back now. Scripture's all of a sudden beginning to make sense. You're now pulling back the word of God that's beginning to sustain you. He's now a man who's saying, yet, however, still, I will rejoice. I want to be a, a Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 through 19 kind of believer. You know what I mean? So, so listen, when you start catching some hell and life ain't making sense, go to Habakkuk chapter 3. And you say, wait a minute, though the fig tree may not blossom, which means that I, I don't see any profit, I don't see nothing coming my way. No fruit on the vines, and just, just keep reading, and then get down to 18 and say, yet I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Oh, you're talking about making the devil mad. Yeah, yeah. He, he done threw his best shot at you. Thought he had you. In fact, you thought he had you. But now I'm beginning to see that I'm going to rejoice in the Lord come hell or high water, whether he answers or not, I'm trusting and believing. When we used to say trust and obey, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. I love it. He says, I will, that, that, that rejoice means to jump up and turn around. I know, they, they, that message you start doing that, they may get yourself in some hot water, but, but you'll be in Jesus. And that's a better place to be. If you got to jump up and turn around, who better to jump up and turn around for than him? He said, they, what he was doing is saying, I'm going to make much of Jesus. I, I want to make I want to reach a point in my walk where I don't have to work hard to make much over Jesus. I, I feel guilty for some of the stuff I made much over, which Jesus had absolutely nothing to do with. He was nowhere in the vicinity. But I make much, let me, let me help you out. You know how you make much over Jesus? One, one of the ways you can make much over Jesus is by coming to church. You are now part of a growing minority if you go to church. Ain't that something? You're part of a, you're numbered among the few if you are actually a member of good standing and attending the local assembly. Yeah, yeah. You, you. So one way we make much of him is when we come to the church house. Hear me, I'm not saying sit in your house in your pajamas with your coffee and just look at the Zoom. Time out for that, baby. COVID is gone. You, you can now go anywhere you want. No excuse. Yes, right, I said it. Yeah. Let the letters come. Get yourself in the church. If you say you're a Christian, if you say you've been born again, if you said you're his child, then you at least ought to hang out at the place where he promised to meet you. Y'all don't want the truth. Um, uh, come to church. And listen, when you get here, another way to make much over him is act like you're glad to be here. 
Yeah. I love church. I, I, listen, you can take all my stuff away, but give me the Lord's house because there's something about his house that I get here that I can get nowhere else. Your job can't do it. Your education can't do it. Your bank account can't, can't do it. I need to be in the house of worship. Don't let anybody fool you that, baby, I just get, I look, I get my, I get fed by the TV. I, I, scripture says don't lack the assembling of each other as is the manner of some. Here you done dragged yourself to work. I guess now you ain't dragging yourself to work. You do it from home. Uh, you done did that all week, and he's blessed you beyond measure, and I got to give him some time. That's the least I can do. Um, we make much of him when we cast all of our cares upon him because we're saying that he's able, his shoulders are strong enough to sustain me. We make much of him when we witness and share what he has done in our lives. We make much of him in our giving. We make much of him in our serving. We make much of him in terms of how we treat others. Oh, there are countless ways in which we can make much of him. And here's a question. What are you doing to make much of him? <sighs> make much of him. That's what Habakkuk was saying. And he said, I will joy in the God of my salvation. He's saying, I will rejoice in the one who rescued me. I was on my way to hell in the fast lane enjoying the trip, but he snatched me. He pulled me out. He saved my soul. He redeemed me. My name is written in his hand. My name is now written in the guest book of heaven. The young man who will be funeralized, uh, Derek. Uh, Seth was talking about how he was a young man and how he got here. Uh, and over the years, he's seen this young man develop and saw potential and promise. He's gone now. But yet, he opened his eyes in glory because he knew Jesus Christ in the pardon of his sin. See, he was a member of this church that witnessed to him that he became, see, see what happens. You never know how God is going to use it. So, so Paul said, I'm, I'm sorrowful, yet I'm rejoicing. There's going to be some tears, no doubt, sorrowful. His chair will be empty at the dinner table. But I'm rejoicing because he's now with the master. We used to call them homegrown celebrations where I grew up. Uh, it, it, Sunday a funeral was almost like a Sunday morning service. Folks was cutting up, running, because that's what you rejoice in. Yes, sad that he's no longer with us, but yet I'm rejoicing because he was in Christ. And in Christ is still the in place to be. <laughs> Rejoice that your name is written in the guest book of heaven. Oh, then he says, the Lord is my strength. He'll give me feet like a deer's feet. That, that's amazing imagery. Deers seldom stumble. 
They, 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 they're, they're so sure-footed. I can't remember last time. Have you ever seen a stumbling deer? They, 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 they always seem to be... Said they'll take you to heights. That means that when stuff happens, because he's my strength, he has a way of taking me up a little higher that I can deal with whatever it is that's facing me. Deer's feet. And he will make me walk on high hills. You see the progression, problem to praise. I don't know how long it took for him to go from problem to praise. It's unclear. But we do know that God made it clear that the just shall live by faith. And then we turn around and we see that this man is now rejoicing in the Lord. I strive to be a Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 believer. Oh, that'll make the Lord rejoice to know that he'll give us strength that we can rejoice in him regardless of what's going on, and that he'll give me strength and give me feet like a deer's feet so that I won't stumble, fall, and he'll make it possible for me to walk above my situation and circumstance. I have no idea what you're facing, just like you don't know what I'm facing, but I'm encouraged when I look at this. And we're living still in some days where we need to be encouraged because everyone in here is struggling with something. Some of us got some battle we're dealing with, emotional, financial, physical, I don't know. But here it says that whatever it is, you can choose. Notice he says, I will. Rejoice. I will joy. He says, the God is my strength. And it says, he will <laughs> make my feet. And then he will make me walk. So, so I do my part, and then I trust him to do his part. And if God's going to do his part, once I do my part, you in good hands. You're going to get through it. And Father, we do bless your name. What a joy it is to know that you really can take us from, from problem to praise. Um, let us not be ashamed or afraid to praise you with our lips, with our actions, with our service. You've been so good to us that you have blessed us beyond measure. So we just thank you for the greatest gift that you've given us, and that is your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today who does not know you in the free pardon of their sin, that this might be the day of decision. That they have been convicted. Lord, we know that as your word is preached, that you can convict. So we pray even now that someone who showed up today and had no intention of surrendering their lives to you. 
Lord, we pray that you will trouble them until they rest in thee. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray and give thanks. Amen. Can we all stand for the benediction? With all heads bowed and eyes closed, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the all-wise God our Father, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore, and the people of God said amen. Amen. God bless.